Hello and welcome to another episode of Bonjour Chai. I'm Ilana Zakon in Vancouver and today we have special guest Rivka Campbell. Rivka is the executive director at Beit Raim Synagogue and School, co-founder of Jews of Color Canada, and the host of the new podcast, Rifkush, which will be premiering on the CJN Podcast Network this month. But before we dive in, a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Atelier Lou Bijouterie in Montreal, Quebec. Atelier Lou specializes in watches and custom design jewelry along with a curated selection of designer jewelry. Visit us online or in person and Eric Goldberg will help make your jewelry dreams come true. Atelier Lou is offering a promo code for all Bonjour High listeners using BON18 at checkout for 10% off your order at atelierlou.com. Rivka, welcome to the CJN Podcast family. How are you doing today? Hello. Thank you for the welcome. I'm doing excellent. It's dreary out, dreary. but I'm still feeling good. Yeah, it's pretty gray out in Vancouver as well. And you're out in Ontario, yeah? Yes, I am. Northern Ontario right now. Very nice. So before we talk about your podcast, I was just curious about your own story. You reconnected to your Jewish roots a bit later in life. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, so I was wondering if you can talk to me a, a bit about what inspired that reconnection that made you want to go dig back and, and rediscover your roots in that way. Okay, so really what precipitated it was were my children. So my marriage had dissolved, and I remember looking at my kids and thinking, wow, these little people really need to know who they are. Like, it's almost... We needed a complete rebirth of the whole of the family, and that is a significant part of it. So I literally looked for a synagogue that would match kind of my Jewish ideals, and threw us into it. Threw my children into Hebrew school. Mm. Went every Shabbat. Really delved in, like. Like, just went off the deep end kind of thing. Like, there was no holds barred. Right. Were your kids quite young when, when you started going? Yeah. Um, they were – my daughter – both my children were pre, pre-Vene Mitzvah. Okay. My son would have been um, – 12 going on 13. Oh, actually, I, I sorry. I stand corrected. My daughter was post-Bat Mitzvah. She mm-hmm. wasn't Bat Mitzvah, but she was, uh, I think, about – 13, 14, there's only 20 months different. Yeah. Different. So not little, little children, old enough to appreciate it right. and understand it. So what was that like as a transition, um, having this whole new extra, I guess, cultural and uh, and religious aspect to your life? And what was it like for your kids um, going into the community in that way? I think they were angry at me. <laughs> really? I say that kind of, you know, why, why, why is that? the word facetiously, just because you go from, yeah. we know, you go from Saturday night cartoon or Saturday day cartoons, chilling, relaxing to, okay, let's get up, get dressed, let's walk to synagogue. Mm. You know, you go from right. chilling with your friends, certain, you know, on the weeknights, and then all of a sudden it's like, 
What do you mean we're going to Hebrew school? What do you mean I'm prepping for a bar mitzvah? Mm-hmm. What do you mean I'm learning Hebrew? What do you mean we can't do have any electronics? Why are we walking? You know, all those things, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the things that parents do to children and you know, it's it's our prerogative not to necessarily get their permission, but it's like it, we sometimes foist things on our kids, right? Mm. I think overall, you know, I'm, I'm I'm half joking. Like overall, they they really embraced it, you know. And to this day, they're mm. adults. And the one thing that I did, which was my goal, was to make sure that they knew who they were, however they choose to be Jewish. In their adulthood, that's on them. Right. That's on them. But I really felt it was important to lay the foundation. Totally. And so what was the moment that you started realizing that you needed to make a difference within the community in regards to your activism for what uh, I've been told is called JOCs, Jews of Color? Yeah. Um, Was that also inspired by experiences that your kids went through, things that you went through, a bit of both? Um, Was there any particular moment where you were like, I need to do something about this? And can you tell me a bit about it? Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, diving into the community, which I'll tell you too, I always felt was my, I'm not even going to say my privilege, my right as a Jew to be able to go into any Jewish space and know that I belong just like any other Jew. So imagine my surprise when I realized that wasn't necessarily the case. And it wasn't, it wasn't about not being a familiar face because yes, our communities can be very, um, inclusive, you know, oh, I remember so-and-so from when we went to camp. Right. I remember so-and-so. So we, we do have that tendency, yeah, yeah. right? The Jewish geography aspect. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it was, I realized, no, 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 it's more than that. Because it's not saying, oh, did you go to this camp or did you go to this day school? Or it was more like, are you Jewish? And that is, that is very different from Jewish geography, Right. Jewish geography implies that you're Jewish already. Yeah. This is more questioning. And I would mm. take it in stride. Sometimes I'd be very annoyed and very like angry, hurt, all those range of emotions. But I kept being involved in the community. And then I started to drift away. And by that, I also mean not just me, but my kids started to drift away, still lived in the Jewish hood, still did all that stuff but really Mm -hmm. wasn't so engaged with synagogues or any other Jewish thing. I had, I hit a crossroads in my life where my kids were now older, living out of the home. It's like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm kind of about my job. So I decided to go to Israel and I literally packed my bags, got rid of my place, sold my, my baby, my cheap, which obviously I still regret <laughs> to this day because I still mention her. Um, and I just pretty much and and connected with somebody I didn't even know in real life in Israel because I needed a place to land. Right. And people were saying, are you coming back? And I said, I don't know. So I went to Israel. I ended up staying almost a year. But it was in Israel I realized this is how we should be. Right. And the one of the moments for me was a Friday night dinner. And I was hanging out with some friends and I looked around and I'm like, look at this crowd, look at us. There's me, the black Jew whose family comes from Jamaica. 
There is another Jew whose family comes from Peru. There's another Jew whose family comes from Spain, from Poland, and, and from India. And we are sitting there just chilling, just a bunch of Jews on a Friday night. Yeah. And I said, this is how it should be everywhere. Mm. And that is, so when I came back to Canada, my tolerance level for those questions, my tolerance level for our community was next to none. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? We need to do better and we can do better. So I am going to now speak about Jewish diversity, speak about how you greet people in your, how we welcome people in their spaces, not not our spaces, like you're coming into my space, but our spaces. And this is a collective space for all of us regardless. Mm-hmm. And we need to behave in that manner. I love that. Yeah, I, I have a, a few relatives who are Jews of color. And I've heard similar stories about going to Israel and no one batted an eye. Because, you know, Mizrahi is the, the highest percentage of Jewish population in the country. Um, and and there's so much diversity in general. So it makes me almost wonder if this is a diasporic problem do you know what I mean I think it is I think it is and you know and it's funny when people talk about Israel and they talk about some of the you know because let's let's be real I will never call Israel a racist country you will never hear those words coming out of my mouth I will say there are racist people but I also say to the people who say that who live in the diaspora perhaps you want to look in your own backyard first before you criticize others Having said that, right. yes, of course, there are, there are racist people. But I was starting to notice, I'm like, you know who, if you're going to say there's a, a, a commonality among those who are racist, I'm like, why is it people who came from the diaspora? Hmm. You see what I'm saying? I think, did you bring your racism with you to Israel? <laughs> you know, I, I've actually wondered that. Because if right. I if I ever had a questioning, which was very rare, it was from somebody from the diaspora. So fascinating. That so does say a it. lot. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you another example, if you don't mind. Yeah, please. please. Just, just, just to... Okay, so the last trip I took to Israel was my pre-pandemic trip. So it was... Uh, we came back in t- beginning of 2020. And sadly, when we were there, a good friend of, um, was it that trip or the trip before? Anyway, so that actually doesn't matter. We, a good friend of my equal other, his father passed away. So we went to Shiva quite often, actually, because he was like his best friend. And there was this conversation, we're just chilling, there's this conversation primarily being carried on in Hebrew, but I was picking up the words that this person was saying. And I also picked up the words that Yoram was saying. And then the conversation ended and Yoram turned to me and he says, oh, she's asking you questions like if you're Jewish, if you're that, if you're this, if you're that. And I said, wow, I said, it's interesting. Um, and she spoke English. And I, and I said, oh, that's interesting. And afterwards, Yoram and I had a private conversation. I said, I find it strange because she's Israeli and Israelis don't ask me those questions. And he said to me, oh, but she lived in the United States for like 30 years. I said, there it is. Yeah. I said, there it is. Yeah, it almost makes me wonder what the bigger issue is, I guess. Like the society that we live in here in North America or or in the diaspora, or it's like an insidious problem like within communities themselves. Because to me, it feels like, 
you know, if, if it's so different in Israel, it must be something bigger than us, like the the politics and and the inherent racism that's built into the the countries that we live in here in this side of the world. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, and I would concur. Yeah. So when you were coming back to Canada, were there other allies that you found in the community, like other Jews of color that were already starting to have these conversations or wanting to make a difference? Yeah, um, I had to scare them up but uh, because actually the work was mainly being done in the United States because not only hmm. they're not just a larger population of Jews, they, you know, the percentage within that population of Jews of color is, is higher than in Canada. I mean, my goodness, the, the percentage of black Canadians in Canada is far less than in the United States, right? Yeah. So there, there were bits, the work was, was being started in the United States, but really not in any great deal. You know, there's a couple of organizations who were just getting their, you know, getting their footing. So I started, so I, I started looking for online groups and I found one on Facebook absolutely hated it absolutely hated it and and I made no bones about that um, because it wasn't they were blurring issues because there's also this other group called Hebrew Israelites and who have caused challenges ah, actually yes I've encountered color community and so it was it was yeah, like yeah it was overpopulated by Hebrew Israelites and I was getting so frustrated so I started my own group started my own group, a minority within the minority, because you know what, if you can't, if you really can't fix, then just do your own thing. So I did my own thing. Yeah. And so, that group grew. So was that the beginning of Jews of Color Canada? It was. So it grew and grew and grew. But then I thought, mm, still a heavy American influence. And I am Canadian. So I started along with somebody else, Jews of Color Canada said and then started you know reaching out to Canadian Jews of color and you know we've had our ups and downs in terms of connecting with people COVID has been amazing for that because I've been able to connect with JOCs and in, mm -hmm. out east out west and because you know Canada's so so yeah. freaking big that it's hard in person but it's totally doable via zoom and so it's, it's been it's been great That's awesome it's been great and so now with your podcast I, I saw in your trailer that the kind of main focus is more about the perspective of JOC people as opposed to talking just about issues that you face and that kind of stuff. So can you tell me more about that distinction and why that's important for the Jewish community to understand? Sure. Because one of the things that I realized, you know, um, walking in the community, looking the way I do, there, you know, there's either a perception that, oh, you know, she's uh, she's new to the tribe, so she really doesn't know the tribe aside from maybe what she learned in her classes. There was that, that perception. And, and I found that people, people would look at me and not, not, almost it's like, whether they realized it or not, it was almost like they didn't have an expectation that I would have, for example, an in-depth knowledge on Israel or the Palestinian-Israeli relationship or on, and that kind of bothered me. And because I would see it in terms of when, you know, we would talk about even just recently with the last conflict and I would say, okay, here's what's, 
here's here's what I understand about it. And I would be like, and the faces were like, oh, like they were shocked that I would know it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Not only do I have huge books on international law and versus Israel and so on, I am also Jewish. I have an opinion on JOC things. And it's really important that you see this face hmm. speaking about such matters. That it's not always about how do I navigate myself through the community. Most of my conversations are around the same things that other right. Jews speak about. So you're saying, if, if I'm getting this correctly, and maybe I'm totally off here, but that there's there's kind of two facets to it. Part of it is within the Jewish community, like having your place, having a voice, bringing in your perspective. But then also maybe from the outside for other, let's say, um, uh, people from the black community seeing you and saying, oh, this is a, a black person who's also Jewish, and now I can understand the perspective of Jewish people through like you. Is, is that ever something that that comes into play absolutely it's interesting that you should say that because not a not a lot of people hone in on that aspect Hmm. because within the black community and it depends you know the black community is not a monolith so it depends on you know what where they actually are from so for example jamaican people Mm -hmm. have an understanding of jews and, and because, you know, at one point it was colloquially called the Jewish island. Mm. So when they see me, a person of color who's also Jewish, they're not as like, <gasps> you know, it's like, oh, all right, all right, whatever, you know, <laughs> and move forward. But I think it's important for the black community as a whole to recognize that, you know, I face anti-Semitism also. Yeah. And I... I, I don't even really know how to articulate it, but I think it's important that they also change the view that they see also of who is a Jew. Mm-hmm. And if they see that somebody who looks like them and is saying, here is how, here is the story of my people, my Jewish people, here is how some words you may say may affect me just like how as a black person some words that some people say affect you yeah do, do, am i i don't know if i'm making you're sense, making total kind sense. of pulling that kind of using using that connection that we yeah. have to give a better understanding of jewish people in general yeah it's so important i don't know if you heard about the black jewish jewish alliance have you heard of that it's a in the entertainment industry it came up during covid in the united states yeah in the united states yeah. Yeah, I I follow them online. And I think it's so, so important. I work in the arts. And I think, you know, we face so many struggles, even though they might look different from the outside, but we're both minority groups. And it's so important for us to lift each other up. So I think the work you're doing is is so, so important. Um, So I was wondering, in your podcast, is there any particular narrative in a particular issue that you feel is really missing, like something that you're really excited to be able to share uh, through this new outlet? In, in regards to like a JOC perspective on yeah, XYZ. Absolutely. Um, I feel a narrative that is missing or is being misrepresented, let's say, is the narrative around Jews of color and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I think that is something that, you know, there are people who assume that just because 
because there is that narrative, you know, and I, I will be blunt, there is that false narrative of, you know, colonialism, yeah. white colonialism in Israel. Mm -hmm. So they look at me and say, well, then you must be on the mm. side of, of Palestinians because you're brown like them. And I'm like, well, not all Palestinians are brown. You're kind of stereotyping, just like oh, not all Jews are white. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But that sometimes is the expectation that Jews of color should be on that side. It doesn't help when organized organizations are that are primarily black focused are coming out and saying are pushing that false narrative also yeah. so then it kind of brushes over jocs too yeah. and i think it is so critical to recognize sure there may be a jocs who absolutely are like i am a pro i am pro-palestinian that is their right. But don't assume that we all think in the same manner. And I think it's important that that JOC voice is heard speaking on that situation in particular. Wow. I didn't even think of that. That's a really good point. I'm looking forward to, to you being able to express that publicly. I think that might stir up some things in a really positive way. I hope so. So within your community, um, do you feel like the challenges that, that you face that you've mentioned to me about, you know, people questioning your, your Jewishness and all that kind of stuff, is it a similar experience for most JOCs when you talk to them? Is it kind of like a, across the board, like, oh, yeah, we've experienced this, 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 this? Or is there sometimes um, like experiences that are, are distinct, let's say, to, to an individual based on what part of the diaspora they live in, do you think? I think there's there, you know, like like in anything, you know, there are there are Jews who can say, you know, I, I've never experienced anti-Semitism. I felt comfortable in non-Jewish spaces. I think there are also people of color who can say the same. You know, I, I haven't felt it, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I think generally speaking, because we're not even just talking about you know big R racism. There's all those microaggressions, 100%. and that some people may recognize as being really inappropriate or based on their own personality, their own makeup may just go, yeah, it's okay. They asked me that question, hmm. you know, i.e. Right. the convert question. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being a convert, but why is it that JOCs are, are asked Assumed. that question more than any other um, racial group within um, Judaism? Yeah. And it's just like, and that is a microaggression that really actually says the 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 sentence that they're saying but not saying is well you don't naturally belong in my community so i need to find out how you got here right have you noticed any changes in regards to that since the black lives matter movement became so big um in in the past year i know it existed before but it really caused people to like come up and make a stand have you noticed any shifts i know it's been covid so it's kind of hard to say but you, you mean and shifts in how people perceive me? In regards to the Jewish community, I guess, because a lot of the work that you're doing, right, is is so that oh. people aren't questioning, like, that you should belong there. And now that there's there's so many people talking about, like, mm -hmm. you know, lifting up black voices and um, that sort of thing, um, ha have you noticed a any change or, or it's – or not? I was just curious. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. No, no, no. Good question. Um, yes. So I've been doing this work now for, oh my gosh, 
I tried to count and I can't even count how many years, just let's say a while. And normally when I, I speak to people or I, I, I discuss the topic, I get a lot of very, pol Canadians are polite. I get a very lot of, I get a lot of polite smiles and like, oh, thank you for sharing. And, and that's it. And still, you know, the reality is still the questions and the, uh, and the, you know, the microaggressions, all that stuff. When George Floyd was murdered, um, there was, I think, an awakening for the Jewish community also, because I was suddenly getting, and I'm going to say suddenly getting phone calls, and people, you know, people who knew me well were saying things like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll, I will be okay. I, you know, kind of used to it, sadly. I just have to process it. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there were people who were like, Oh, have you felt any of this in the community, in our Jewish mm. community? And depending on who it was, I'd be either like, yes, or are you bleeping kidding me? What do you think I've been saying for years now? Why mm. do you think when you say to me, I've never really met any Jews of color, and I say to you, because you haven't made it welcoming, so they don't come out. You know, I said all these things I've been saying, but I think to myself, okay, at least there is a realization now. And the difference I have noticed is people are doing the work. They're not just talking the talk, they're doing the work. Yes, there are still some challenges to remind people, not about us without us. So don't make any grand statements, don't make any grand changes without actually seeing if this is what we would like done. Mm -hmm. Don't do it to us because that's the same thing. Do it with us or ask us. That's yeah. still a challenge. And, you know, and there, it's still, and there will always be those who are like, oh, I think you're just, I think you're just seeing something that's not actually there. <laughs> you'll, st you'll always have those. But right. overall, there has been a shift, a positive shift. Wow. It's amazing how, uh, I mean, it's terrible, but it's amazing in some way about how something like that has to happen for people to, to open their eyes. And I can only imagine, I know I, I have uh, a relative who's black and Jewish, and I know she felt extremely overwhelmed in the past year with all the talk, which is really constructive, but with all the anti-Semitism rising on top of all the stuff going on with um, Black Lives Matter, it was a lot, a lot to take in. But I'm glad to see that it's definitely opening people's eyes so you know some you know it's a lot <laughs> yeah 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 and there you know there's this i think it was articles that were going around just saying black people are tired because <laughs> i think we were tired within the yeah. you know within the overall community and within the jewish community understandably because there was a lot of like there was a lot of um demand for our voice for our voices. And it was, it was, there was a point where I thought I'm going to break. I'm just like burnt out, you know? And like you said, not just on the anti-black racism stuff, but on the anti-Semitism stuff, I was getting super, super tired, but it must be done. Yeah. It's a lot. It's emotion. It's emotionally. percent. You're, you're, you're exposing yourself. You're making yourself vulnerable each and every time yeah. you speak about it each and every time Ugh. it takes a little piece of you. So just to wrap it up, I was wondering if you can talk about 
some of your goals that you hope moving forward with the work that you're doing with your new podcast, Riff Kush, with the work that you're doing with Jews of Color Canada, what are some of the things that you uh, hope to see in the future that still haven't quite happened yet? Um, I would like to see almost a normalization of JOCs in the community. And I have this teaser for a documentary, and I think at the end, I say I want it to get to the point where I don't have to talk about Jewish diversity, that it just is. Don't have to constantly say, you know, we Jews come mm. from all corners of the earth, that we just just know that. I would like to see, I would like to see people yeah. who look like me, or Asian Jews, Mizrahi Jews, Jews that whose origins are outside of Eastern Europe, I would like to see them represented on boards. I would like to see them represented you know, in our, as our teachers, as our educators, as our rabbis, as our, as our cantors, as everything that we do, I want to see a face that either looks like mine or is a face that is diverse. I want, when we talk about Jewish food, we're not just talking about lox and bagels and kugel. But we're talking about foods from Iran, we're talking about foods from Yemen, we're talking about foods from Jamaica as Jewish foods also. I want to see us grow as a culture, as a people, and, 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 and display and celebrate our diversity. That's what I want to see. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm totally right here behind you with that. Well, thank you so much, Rifka, for taking the time to chat with me today. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. You can check out the new podcast, Rifkush, coming out this month on the CJN Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Bonjour Chai for Thursday, July 15th. Our producer is Michael Freeman, technical production by Andre Goulet. Our music is by So Called. We are a project of the Jewish Living Lab and are distributed by the CJN Podcast Network. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a comment and a rating on the platform of your choice and let us know what you think about our discussions on the CJN Lounge on Facebook. I'm Ilana Zakon and have a great evening.